This week, three sides of the coin. Literally no topic. Show about nothing. We, we do have a guest with us, Dr. Who. Say hi, Dr. Who. <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> Who? Now, actually, this was a fun, fun little discussion. We got talking about how like the biography show is generally put together, the money that's involved and that sort of stuff. Just a good general music discussion, which frankly, I like doing. It's, it's almost all kids yeah. this week, so no one can bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'll bitch. They'll bitch. Please bitch. <laughs> we, we miss your bitching. Um, all right. Let it roll. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Everybody, welcome back to Two Sides of the Coin with our special guest this week, Doctor Who. Who? <laughs> I love when that guy wrote that. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, hey, listen, we're sounding like a broken record, but we were supposed to have a special guest today, and he's in a band, and he's over in the UK, and he has to reschedule. So. And his band fucking rules and has for years. His band is so sweet. You're going to love it. (laughs) Ding. (laughs) Um, So here we are, not knowing what the hell we're going to do. So we decided to turn this week's episode um, over to Dr. Who. And since he's our guest, joining Mark and myself today. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Hey, who? Why don't you read some uh, comments? We got a crap load of comments on our review of the biography special. Oh, did you say something? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> of course you were. Um, yeah, uh, I can read some if you'd like me to. <laughs> it's only your job. It's the only one thing you got to do. Um, Cold Coffee Bear says, I've loved Kiss since I was nine years old, 1977, but I'm not a cherry or a great Kool-Aid drinker. I'm okay that you guys are. I do get it. The reason I wanted to to read that one first is is that I want to discuss that. Because you, I, I haven't seen a ton of it, but you guys have sent me a few things here and there about all these people yelling revisionist history. Um, I think that, that everyone makes mistakes when they look back at their past. And I'm not making excuses, but you, you got to look at people from a human angle. And, and I thought that, that they admitted some of their mistakes that they made. I think there were some others that, like we talked about last week, where you know, Paul was uh, blaming, what was it? The, blaming the new makeup on the failure in the yeah, early yeah. 80s. Yeah, and, but you know what? If that's that was a man. But if, but if that's his opinion, he believes that. Is he wrong? I don't know. I have a different opinion of that. 
Um, but I just think it's interesting how there's so many people that think that just because we enjoyed the A&E documentary or biography that somehow we're again in the Gene and Paul camp. And that's just I, I, I replied to that comment and I said, we're not. Um, what did he call it? Cherry or grape Kool-Aid drinkers. Yeah. I said, we are kiss Kool-Aid drinkers. We drink the uh -huh. kiss Kool-Aid as in the band, not one person. Um, right. You know, because, you know, we haven't said it in a long time, but listen, if you go back over nearly 10 years of episodes here, there's episodes where we Ten. criticize Gene on stuff. We criticize Paul on stuff. We're, we're very open about our opinions. So, I are mean, are we drinking anybody's Kool-Aid blindly? Not in the least. We're just fans of a band. That's it. Right. Well, and like Garrick St. Martin said, one of the analogies in the documentary is when Gene claims that no one had ever done that before in reference to Peter's drums rising six feet. The Kinks rose up six feet during the live performance of Tired of Waiting for You in 1965. You can find it on YouTube. Well, I believe that uh, Free also did it as well. I was watching a um, some kind of a biography on them, and they did it in one of the early shows. So I think that there's other people that tried it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're aware of it, especially then. Now yeah. it's like you, you almost can't not be aware of whatever happens here in society because we have it everywhere, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, on and on and on. But back then, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm just not going to put a gun to their head for having a fuzzy recollection of certain things. Oh, or of course not. I mean, things wrong. I'm not I mean, picking I, at it. I can speak for myself. I mean, you know, ask me what I had for lunch last week and I'll be like, oh, fuck if I know. You right. know, right. you know, memory fades. It's hard to remember everything in your life. But my attitude, and, and don't take this as a defense of Gene specifically to that. But my attitude is really, if that's right or wrong, is that tragic? Is that a tragic error that totally destroys this? Because as we said in our review, Gene and Paul have been revision, doing revisionist history their whole life. I mean, let's let's be honest. When we were kids in the 70s, you know, remember, Ace Fraley was born on the planet Jendel. Is that revisionist history or is that just cool? Right. You know, I remember one of those teen magazines that said Gene Simmons was hatched from an egg like a mm -hmm. dinosaur. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, well, look, when we had uh, when we had Eddie Trunk, on, I had to remind him. And of course, this, I, I love Eddie. I'm just saying I was sticking up for my point of view when I said, you know, they weren't always Gene, Paul, Peter and Ace. They did push the vampire and the lover, and yeah. the, star, the spaceman and the cat. And they did that as early as 1975. Yeah. It, uh, they pushed the characters then. It's a matter of fact, in the originals, which came out in 1976, it was on the back of the cards. It wasn't Gene, Paul, Peter. And I mean, stories. you know, this is, this is, and I think, Tommy, you mentioned it in our review. Revisionist history isn't unique to Kiss. Every, mm -hmm. I mean, rock and roll is all about fantasy. I mean, yeah. do you, do you think Motley Crue 
are really Satan worshipers because they put a pentagram on shout at the devil? No. No. And Nikki was wearing a you know inverted cross and a live wire video, and he was just trying to get attention, folks. Do you do you do you think any band that's ever put backwards masking into an album was doing that because they were praising Satan? Of course not. I mean, thing all of rock and roll has always been about bigger than life, larger than life stories, rock stars that you look up to and you idolize. That's just rock and roll in my book. At the end of the day, if somebody is inaccurate about something as inconsequential as who was the first person to actually have a drum riser go up six feet and you want to go make that a point and argue that point, go talk to the tree in the backyard because that tree is going to care more than I care about that argument. But, but it's a fair argument to have in the respect that if it's inaccurate, it's inaccurate and you can discuss it and there's proof. But some of it's just feeling. And the, I think the worst part about it, from my point of view, looking at who are just shredding this documentary is they're losing sight of the most important piece of it that our band, after almost 50 years, has a four-hour special on a major network television, you know, channel. And it's the same that gets lost on people who aren't, who didn't or aren't going to see the end of the road tour. Here's your last chance to see something that, you know, like I said to Gene one day, we were talking and I said, you know, I hope you realize this. I'm assuming you do. I said, you... And I said this to Paul too, I said, you've created the soundtrack to my life. And he just got this really somber look on his face. And you could tell it like it hit him. So how, how can you be, how can you love a band so much and let them be such a part of your life or music in general, and then want to tear, tear, tear Yeah, tear it apart. Spend yeah. every moment tearing it apart. And, and, and I'm not saying that our, either one of our, our people did that, that. I'm not ripping on them. I just read their comments. Those were reasonable comments to make because, you know, there are people who do believe you, you know, that the three of us just shill for Gene and Paul. And it's simply not true. We make light of it and we take it out and push it. But it, it's just simply not true. But it's just, to me, it's very disheartening um, that people are losing the the losing the joy of the moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. I agree. Got some other comments? Because like I said, there were a ton of them on this week's show. That, those are the ones that I pulled. If you want to do some extras, you can. Sure. Let me awesome. see what I get you. Let me, let me do, let me do your job for you. No problems with that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Wave when here, it's my turn here. to talk again. David, <laughs> An Anaya, Anaya, apologize if I'm getting your name wrong. I have to agree with the comment and the other gentleman made at the beginning of the show. I remember I discovered Kiss around the end of 2008, early 2009. I was probably nine years old. I had no idea who they were, who they were, but I saw a Dress to Kill CD at Walmart and begged my mother to buy it for me. Doesn't that sound like what a nine-year-old sounds like what a nine-year-old would have done in the early 70s? It's exactly mm -hmm. the same thing. Um, at least once a month I would go to the store and picked up a new KISS album 
And was it an amazing day? I saw the new Kiss album on the shelf, Sonic Boom, plus all the other cool merch released at the time. This album is one of my all-time favorites. Not only that, it was the first time I saw a live Kiss show with the DVD that was included, which ultimately led me to want to become a musician. I love all the members of Kiss, but for me, Eric and Tommy are the Spaceman and Catman. Like Michael says, forget the haters, we won. Um, let's see. I'm just going to read this one without reading it up in advance, so maybe it's a good one or a bad one. Stephen Jones. Knowing the doc was created for casual fans and the general public, there's no reason to pick nits. With that being said, I think it's a great watch and always happy to see the band getting the attention they deserve. My hope is the doc will get the same treatment as the Beatles anthology from the 90s and have a DVD release. I believe that set had about 10 hours of footage. If they do, like Mark said, I'd love for interviews with Vinny, Lydia, Jeanette, even Paul's dad, etc. Also, I hope they ask Ace and Peter again, and they'll put the sticks, they'll pull the sticks out of their asses and offer their two sides of history. Um, Donovan Edwards loved it, watched it twice. Most likely will watch it a third. Love Gene and Paul just sitting in the room talking. The entire four hours could have been just that, and I would have enjoyed it. As it applies to Ace and Peter. Their decision not to participate is consistent with their history of decisions, horrible decisions, and then complain about it. Meh, no Peter, no Ace, no problem. Um, positively godless. This was a really good episode. I agree, loved it. Um, oh, this one comment is, rep is about our interview with Chuck Klosterman back on episode 103. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vinnie Vincent, the dysfunctional gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Make a t-shirt out of that. Yep. <laughs> uh, I want to piggyback great. on something you said earlier, though, because that was a couple of the letters you read ago. That was my son's sort of reaction you know he's as a rock music fan at his age tommy and eric were i mean he's certainly well aware of the original oh, yeah. band, but going to see them in concert with me many times and meeting them and and you know all that it's eric and tommy i mean yeah. that's his kiss and guess what there's nothing wrong with that. there's nothing wrong with that i mean you know there you can't you can't hate on and rip on a nine-year-old who discovers Kiss in 2008, 2009, because it's literally impossible for them to have discovered them in 1976. Impossible. Exactly. So, so is it their fault that they weren't born? They're born now. They discover them now. The fact that this band, nearly 50 years later, is still bringing in nine-year-old kids to be discovered around the Sonic Boom album is incredible. It's well, I take it a step further, Michael. There's fans right now that are discovering Black Sabbath and the Beatles and all kinds of classic rock. Yep. And, it's, and it's resonating with them in 2021 as it resonated with some people in 1969. I mean, there's yeah. no difference. It's, that's the beautiful thing about music. 
so I I think it's absolutely the coolest thing in the world that kids, children are discovering KISS now. I mean, that really, you know, they always say, you know, does the song stand the test of time? Which is very true. At the end of the day, songs are, you know, if the songs are standing the test of time, the band is good. But there's something to be said that this band that was formed in 1973 in 2008, 2009, still has kids first discovering them quite often the same way we discovered them in the 70s by looking at that album cover and going, holy shit, what is this? That's what I thought was so cool about I agree. Yeah. So before you and, say it's, 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 it's just a kiss. Kids still do that with Iron Maiden. Holy yeah. crap. What's that about? Yeah. I, I just want to use that as an example because it's, it's not, that's how important album art used to be. Yeah. That's, that's what hooked you. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, any, anybody who's discovered kiss in the eighties, the 90s, 2000s, the 2020s, you're as important a KISS fan in my book. Not that my book means shit to anybody, but me. Um, but you are as important as the fans who discovered KISS in 1973. You're keeping this band alive. Because if, 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 all, with this, all, if all KISS had were fans in 1973, they'd be gone decades ago. And if Ace and Peter didn't want to participate, which was their right for whatever reason, then you can't be surprised that their point of view is not going to be represented. I mean, that's just common sense. But arguing and sticking up, I just, I get tired of Gene and, Gene and Paul always getting the short end of the stick with so many of these fans. Um, you know, Bren, we're having this conversation once um, and Brent and I were talking about different artists and somehow the Liberty DeVito argument came up about how he was fired from Billy Joel and he had been there for quite some time. And I don't still don't know exactly what transpired. I've only heard one side of the story. And this person I was talking to was just like, you know, screw Billy Joel. He's an ass. And, da, 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 da. and Brent's like, you know, it's really easy to say something like that when you're not the ones, you know, writing the checks and you're the one that has to answer or make these business decisions. And I just kind of feel like if any one of us, no matter if it's the three of us or any people that's listening now, what you've done, how would you have seen it if you were in Paul's? Yeah, would, 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 you, would, you have, would you have folded your business? Would you have closed your business's doors? Because let's be honest, any band, Billy Joel or Kiss, is a business. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people that work and depend upon that business continuing to operate. Would you just close your business and walk away from it? And if you've owned it for 20, 30, 50 years... And you have new people coming in because the original people who helped you start the company left. Is it fair that if those originals came back after a 20 year hiatus, that they deserve the same amount of compensation moving forward? As the one or two people, I mean, imagine if you were that person that owned Mark's, you know, Rayco company and he did it with say two partners and he bought both of the partners out or they left. And it was Mark who survived getting 
you know, the shift in his business from bearing telephone line to rent equipment to pouring concrete, all the stuff he went through. How would you feel if you were the owner of that business when two of the guys say, oh, you know, we really want to come back and, and you welcome them back with open arms because there's value there, but do they deserve the same cut at this point after they left for 20 years and kind of kept business going? I can't imagine anyone be like, oh yeah, absolutely. No, you, you know, and I, I just don't understand why so many businesses get a pass but when it comes to Gene and Paul, it just feels like they're always getting ripped on by a certain group of people that, you know, think that, that they're out to destroy everybody. And I just, I don't buy into that. Well, you know, at the end, what it comes down to, because I've still seen a couple comments, fans just don't have a real and I shouldn't say all fans, first of all, because some. No, we're talking about a small we're, percentage. We're, we're probably not even talking about people that listen to our show. But but there, there's a percentage of fans out there that have no idea how the business even works. Like there was somebody was commenting that, oh, it's interesting that if you paid attention during the biography, a lot of the background music isn't Kiss. It sounds like Kiss. They didn't use Kiss's music. And and I've seen some fans are like, well, you know, it's Kiss's music. Why didn't Kiss put their own music in those cheap bastards? You know, it's 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 the biography show. Isn't something that Gene and Paul sat down and said, we're funding this, we're paying for this, it's all getting paid out of our pocket. And A and E, would you like to broadcast it? That's not how business works. A and E is responsible yes. for A and E's got a budget. They were given a budget by their network. Here's how much money you have to do all four hours. And if that means you've got to pay interviewers, well then you've got to make it fit within that budget. Oh, you need music? Well, guess what? KISS doesn't own their music. The recorded music is owned by the record label. That doesn't mean the record label is just going to give it to KISS and A and E for free. The label's a business. The label's going to sit here and go, here's the rates. Here's what you pay if you want to use, I'm just making up, God of Thunder in your in your production. And they're going to be like, okay, it costs that much money, so therefore I only have money enough money to use four songs. This is what every TV show, commercial movie has to deal with. There's a set budget. And there's a whole business out in the in industry, music supervisors, music placement, where people who are doing a movie will sit here and go, I need a band that sounds exactly like the Rolling Stones. But I can't afford to pay the Rolling Stones the, who knows, half a million dollars they're going to want to use one song. So can I find, can, does somebody out there that I have in my network have a band that can make a song that sounds really close to the Rolling Stones. And we'll give and you $5,000 for that. Mm -hmm. And one of our listeners actually recorded some of it. Yes. That. Yep. One of our past guests. He, he was so excited. Exactly. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. I mean, so what a it's, it's there, you know. When you don't budget for a project, you end up with a book that magically never gets put together. <laughs> Where's my bell? I want one. Ding, ding. So, I mean, 
I can, I, you know, part of me gets where fran- fans are like, oh, it could have been blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, but this isn't like, you know, the, as we always say, this isn't like the monkeys where the band all lives in one apartment and everybody mm-hmm. shares in everything and everything's happy. No, this is a bunch of businesses that all have financial interests in kiss the music the videos i mean you know one thing so many fans don't understand is kiss doesn't own all of this video all these photos they may have them in their possession because the photographer or the tv station gave them a copy but that doesn't mean they have the rights to just use it wherever they want however they want to make money they would still have to sit here and go, well, okay, if we want to use this live photograph, we've got to go to Tommy Summers and ask him for permission to use it because it's his photo. You, in turn, like with a tour book, will say, sure, here, you can use it. But other photographers might say, oh, well, thanks for reaching out to me, but if you want to use it, it's going to cost you, I, I don't know what going rates are, it's going to cost you $500 a photo. And somebody's going to come back and go, we've got no budget, therefore we aren't going to use it. So, uh, you know, all of that stuff you're seeing in whether it's biography or anything, it doesn't, don't assume that KISS has this magic vault of everything that's ever been done on them, that they just walk into and pull it out and we can put it on a DVD and sell it. They can't. You know, Tommy Thayer goes out there and tracks down these videos He finds them. He finds out how much they're worth. And, you know, they decide based on budgets for whatever that project might be, whether it's history or biography, can we do it? Well, I tell you what, we've we've gone through this before because we talked about this during the Kissology saga, if you remember, because people were complaining about, you know, how come, you know, and I think it was the Australian 80 concert, well, we know through the bootleg community that that's, you know, whatever, 20, yeah, and it's 20 songs long. Well, how come we got, you know, a 15 song version on Kissology? Those bastards ripped us off. I'm like, no, they, there's only so much money available. So they could only afford 15 songs. And the producers picked the 15 songs they thought were most, I don't know, viable for that part of the project and it's funny i i didn't you know i, I had a pretty busy day at work today so i didn't spend much time uh, online but i did see i think bill starkey made some great points on one of the uh facebook posts about you know the photo thing and photos that he saw and he thought they were great but you know the band didn't own them and you know sometimes they that, got- that, that that's actually what i was referring to in that thread and and listen it wasn't a thread where people were literally pissing and moaning it was a thread of just people asking questions because music uh, 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 let's put it this way in the music industry now the biggest areas that bands make their income are two things touring and music licensing now if you've been a fan in music for 30, 40, 50 years, you'll understand that back in the 70s and even the 80s, it wasn't cool for a band to license their music to be used in a TV commercial. That was like the ultimate sellout to the man, to the suit. Uh, 
and it just was not cool. Well, nowadays, a name artist, major artist in a like nationwide or international TV commercial could get a million dollars for one song to be used in a commercial. That's a lot of money when they're not selling records anymore. And what do they have to do? Nothing other than accept the deal. That's it. They're not recording anything new. They're not making appearances. They're just letting somebody use their song. So that's a huge business for bands nowadays. They want to license their music. But again, it comes down to there's only so much budget to go around on all these programs. And would it have been cool that the Kiss biography was nothing but all Kiss music? Sure. But is the biography terrible? Because it's not. Not in the slightest, because that's background music. And unless you really stop and sit here and go, let me listen. Oh, that sounds a little odd. Not quite right. I, that's not, you know, that's not how I, at least, watch these things. Michael, I have a question for you. And uh, this is just strictly because I know you know this stuff better than I do. Well, we, we all know, especially, uh, you know, that Japanese CD that was released a few years back, that KISS did re-record different versions. How come they didn't use those? Because those are, those are separate from, you know, the Universal. Um, most likely because, again, KISS wants them to be licensed. KISS is a business. They own those new re-recordings. A&E wants to use them in a biography they're producing. They're spending, A&E's making, spending the money, putting it together. So A&E's probably like, okay, Gene and Paul, you do have songs. How much would it cost us to get those songs from you? I wouldn't, at least me, I would not expect Kiss to give their music up for free. Why should they? There's a value to it. Now, they might discount it. They might give A&E a special rate. But still, we don't know what the music budget was for the A&E show. You know, they might have been given from, from the, the network, they might have been given $50,000. That's what you have. That's your allowance for acquiring music for a four-hour show. A&E can go out and spend that $50,000 on one song or they sit back and go, well, gee, we've got a four hour special here. We need a lot of music. We can't afford to pay for all Kiss music. We can afford to maybe get this much original Kiss music and then we need the rest of this money to go to sound alike Kiss music. Hey, Mike, I have another question. And because again, you know way more about this stuff than I do. When A&E sets their budget for, and you keep in mind, uh, the, the month previous to the KISS one were the wrestler ones they were doing, which were, I'm not even a big wrestling guy, but I found them fascinating. They were fun watches. But they have to sell X amount of no. You, you follow Mark, what I'm Mark, saying? Mark, Mark, hold on, Mark. You, 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 we're back to your old KISS router. Is it, is Mark freezing for you tommy yes i he, he that whole everything you just said mark broke up okay really? so start again yeah um uh go to the 
or did you did you hear when I was talking about the wrestling? Yeah, you thing? said the, the the wrestling thing that A and E's. Yeah, doing. well, that really is no different than what the Kiss thing. They filled you know four hours or two yeah. hours per per night. I is do, would. Would they know what their advertising budget would be beforehand? I'm assuming they do. They, 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 they should. They should know that, okay, four hours means we've got X amount of ad breaks of X amount of length. And we've got all, you know, we've got major sponsors that will spend this much money. You know, I, I assume just like any business, they've bef- not like any business because some books don't do this, but you know, they budget out in advance. Here's what my projected income is going to be. We know how much it's going to cost to produce. We also know we're going to need X amount of music. And, and keep in mind, people, literally every single piece of music you hear in a show has to be purchased. So if that's somebody sitting in a car and there's music playing on the car radio for five seconds, they have to get permission for that kind of music. If there's a TV on the wall and there's a video playing, they have to get permission for that. If there's a jukebox in a scene that plays 30 seconds, they have to get the permission for that. All of that has different costs associated to it. Clearly, if your music is used like in an opening title sequence, it costs more than five seconds that's coming out of a car radio. So A&E, you know, they've got people who that's their entire job is to sit here and go, okay, I'm going to need all of this music, small, big, expensive, not expensive, and you know how much we're going to potentially make on this. Now we sit here and go, okay, do we have to pay talent? I.e. if we had to pay Ace and Peter, do you pay? Like, you know, when I did the interview for VH1 back in 2000, 2001, when Kiss ruled the world, I think is what it was, or no, Kiss Beyond the Makeup. It was their version of a behind the music. Um, Kiss asked me if I wanted to be interviewed. And I said, yes. The, uh, and the interview was down in LA. Now I was working for the merch company, but we had to fly our, we had to cover our costs for me to fly down to LA for the day to do the interviews. I didn't get paid anything for doing that interview. I went and sat in a hotel room for two or three hours and, you know, looked at a light and answered questions and take two and take three and doom done Thank you very much. These types of programs are not designed to give somebody $100,000 for an interview. That's not in the budgets for these programs. So again, A&E knows their budget going in. We've got X amount of money for this, 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 you know, all of that, all of the video footage even if it wasn't Kiss's video footage, you know, the biography had a lot of background footage that was just cool atmosphere footage. There was a fee associated for them to get that from somebody. You know, wouldn't be a lot, but all of that had to be acquired. Editing, you know, paying the, paying the editors, paying the camera crews to fly around the country to go interview people. Um, so like any business, they're going to sit there and estimate out income versus expense 
We don't want to lose money on this. Um, they got to be smart about how much money they spend and what do they spend it on? Is it important that, you know, maybe somebody sat here and said, it's really important we actually use the real version of rock and roll all night. It's the Kiss signature song. Okay, we've got to spend that much for it, but that just means they got that much less to use elsewhere. So then they have to get sound alike. Hey, um, why not steer the, uh, the the episode a little bit different? This is, this goes out to both you and Tommy. Did you guys see where VH1 is bringing back behind the music? I'm, I'm so excited about that. Well, I am. Because I genuinely do enjoy that show. But boy, we're getting old, guys. Did you see? I don't think there's a rock band in there. Huey Lewis was the only okay, one where I'm like, go. okay, Huey Lewis, I get him. But you're right. I mean, I was like, oh, you're right. We're not going to get, you know, we're not going to get the, 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 I don't, I shouldn't say we're not, but from what they announced, we're not getting like the behind the music of ELO. No, no, sorry. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, Tommy, yeah. Did you see that? What? Because I just saw the I just saw the artists and the genres. I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Although, no, I, I didn't them. see. I didn't see the list, and I'll watch almost any one of those other than the rap artists because I just have no interest in that. Well, well Tommy, you just you just answered the question. Okay, well, so you, yeah. but, but when you guys first said that, I was excited because there's still a few behind the musics I haven't seen that I wanted to see because it seemed like they played the Leif Garrett every other five minutes <laughs> along with uh, Notorious B.I.G. and they did the Alice Cooper once, you know? Yeah. So there's ones I still want to see. You know, no. Mark, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but did they also say they might like do re- mastered versions of some of the old stuff well i think they i thought they did that already that i can't remember kind of oh, updated the i i, I do stuff. remember one of the new ones is going to be brett michaels yes they're, not poison only, brett michaels yeah i think they they're only doing i think brett michaels and huey lewis represent rock. rock and again guys i have zero problem with them doing the hip-hop or I, I it's just not that's just not something that interests me it's yeah, not that it's right. not great music and not gonna do well i don't know but and, you know and, well, it, the, it, the huey lewis is a really tragic story you know that's the worst part about it you know what what i would say for for our listeners who are kids who weren't around when behind the music was airing um if you've never seen a behind the music definitely check these out because they are very cool well done stories that go into you know it's not just where were they born and how were they raised but it goes into the the business and the failures and the successes of all these bands you kind of learn the tragedies they may have had to overcome in order to reach success or the tragedies that took away their success and i was hoping they would do well, I, I like the new york dolls and uh, the sweets yes. and um, you know the runaways these other bands that have been gone for a long time I'd love to hear those stories one of the things that I thought was really that I enjoy in general and I've said this before on the show I read a ton and I really love music bios and again I don't even 
doesn't even matter if I like the band and I always use the Czech Negron one as my example. I'm not a huge, you know, were they the three dog night three or dog whatever? Night, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's not, you know, well, you guys mostly would know joy to the world. That was a mega huge hit. And, but again, but the story, Chuck's story was just fascinating. How this guy who was, you know, making millions ended up destitute, sleeping in a crack house. And it's uh, there's it's just you're know, like, wow, how did the, how did you fall down so far? The stories are enjoyable, but that that's what I thought. Also, too, I remember the two of the the, the behind the musics that I really enjoyed um one was ted nugent and the other one was billy joel because they both were these massively popular stadium acts and by the end of the 70s they were broke yep. <laughs> you know it's like yep. how do you lose that kind of money well i mean yeah. now you know mismanagement but these guys were on the road working hard you know billy and ted and Next thing you know, they get back and they're like, oh, you owe us money. Or like, huh? I just played fucking Anaheim Stadium. What do you mean? Well, I owe you know, what, what I what I always found interesting about watching those was it sort of helped me realize that all the craziness in the Kiss world isn't unique to Kiss. Mm -hmm. Every one of these artists in a behind the music story has dramas with other band members family members managers that get fired labels that drop them they have their own demons that they had to contend with you know let's let's be honest you know not that kiss went bankrupt that we ever know about but there was a time where you know during the 80s kiss's investments were not paying off for them you know, they invested in real estate that didn't pay off, that all of a sudden large taxes were due. You know, you can get all of this from Chris Lent's book, Kiss and Sell. But you realize that wasn't just unique to Kiss. That's it's almost unavoidable. It's it all, yeah, like. really, it's almost unavoidable. And then after you watch all of this and you sit here and see how Kiss returned to success in 96 and are still here, it really makes me more proud or more, you know, more happy to see that Gene and Paul were able to overcome it because there's a lot of bands that didn't overcome it, couldn't overcome it. You know, they were just too deep in debt and they just never came back from it. So it's, it's really, those shows are really good for helping you keep a perspective. Uh, Mark just heads up people. Mark just gave us the countdown. He's got dinner in five minutes. So, <laughs> God. <laughs> Look, so, so I guess we'll be ending the show now. Ready. Yeah. You okay. Well, so going. <laughs> um, not not that we want to plug it because by the time people are watching this, will be over. But Tommy, you got uh, Bruce is coming to your house in a couple days here. Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. Um, we're trying to get ready for an auction. So by the time you guys see this, it will be over. And you're, you're, you're one, one thing you've got to get Bruce to talk about on the camera. Let's talk about him auditioning for Kiss in 82. Yeah. To replace Ace Fraley. 
I will. I'll definitely ask him about that and get him to share that story with people. So hopefully everyone tuned in to yeah. hear sir. You got to get him riding the horse. <sighs> That'd be, I, I just, I can see him maybe petting the horse. <laughs> oh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Well, yeah, we don't want a video of Bruce riding one of Tommy's horses, falling off and breaking a leg. Exactly. Well, growing, growing up in New York City, I don't think he was around too many horses. Police no. horses. Other than when he strolled, yeah, he strolled by him in Central Park, but that was it. Yeah. Well, you know what? This this kind of piggybacks too on what we talked about earlier. How many people who watch the show, and I know there are quite a few. Bruce is their kiss guitar player. You know what I mean? That's right. when they jumped. On, that's when they jumped on board. Right. You know, the, they they became fans of Heaven's on Fire and you know mm-hmm. and Crazy Nights and and Forever and you know the, they 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 the, the the ultimate guitar solo for them is the Tears Are Falling. You know what I mean? The, Bruce just played such a huge part in all of this. And and I will and tell you, the fans gen the fans generally give him his due. I I, I don't you know. Yeah, and that's that's really nice because it's certainly deserved. But but you know, I mean, to that mark, I would add, and it's not just fans who discovered Kiss in the '80s. I mean, I've said it before. I discovered Kiss in '76, but I really didn't get into Kiss until starting around '79, and you know, quickly after that, Ace was out of the band, and Vinny was only in for a couple years. Bruce was the Kiss guitarist who was in there for the longest period of time when KISS was an active recording touring band in that sense. So for me, he is, he's my KISS guitarist. I mean, no disrespect to Ace because Ace is what got us to where we are. But Bruce was in that band and influencing me as a KISS fan more than any other guitarist did in KISS. Right. And that's, and a lot of people feel that way. I think the reason that sometimes it feels like he isn't getting his due is only because they went back to the makeup. They've stayed that way ever since, you know, that's, it it really became uh, this type of band versus this type of band. You know, if, if they would have taken it back off again, I think that maybe that would have changed. Look, I, 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 one of the coolest things and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to witness it again here in the next few months, but boy, when, when, when Bruce is ready to play on the cruise, that, that ship jams up, you'd think kiss was coming on. I mean, that is an event when Bruce plays his, uh, you know, his deep cuts. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as we've said, Bruce is really the only one that's actively keeping the eighties kiss alive. Yeah, and well, the road and, and tour we get a, we get a couple tunes thrown in there, but Bruce Bruce is not does not shy away from '80s Kiss mm-hmm. as he shouldn't. He's and proud I of it. Wish, I still wish he'd get to the end of the road. I'd love to see him do a half hour opening set, especially now since they still don't have anybody announced. Correct? Not that I've heard. Oh, so Roth is done. Roth is done. Yeah, I don't it, know why. It was announced how. that Roth isn't on the shows but we haven't heard any reason why, and we don't know what a replacement will be. How great would it be for KISS fans to have, put it this way, did I, the painter did a wonderful job. That was cool and all. And I also, let's be honest too, and I know Tom, you'd back me up on this. We were fortunate 
in 2020 to see a bunch of kiss shows and roth nailed it man that was yep. uh yeah that was fantastic so i feel so sorry for us there's so many of you guys out there that didn't get a chance to see any shows last year we were just fortunate that well both of us too we traveled um you know to go see them but man those shows in early 2020 were just fucking awesome you know the double bill of david and, and kiss was just yeah you know, you know I t i've told people it's like what cooler bill could you imagine than van halen and kiss did you see I someone someone on um on our one of our because I, I, like I said I don't check the stuff much, but somebody's and this was this was a great idea, Billy Squire. That yeah I saw that. The problem is, I think Billy, getting back to our very early discussion, is living quite well licensing his music, and like, making. Why not we sampling uh, the drum sounds? <laughs> you know so. You know, he makes, a, I've heard, he makes a lot of money getting his music placed. So, you know, you know, they call that mailbox money. He just walks out to the mailbox every week and there's another check waiting for. And he doesn't have to go out and bust his butt touring. Frankly, you know, when you think about it, when these, these artists are 70 older, approaching 70, do you really want to be going city to city, you know, playing I think all that those shows great, that would be a great but gig for him it There'd would be, be crowds in front and he's got just enough and this isn't a put down because i love his catalog but he's got just enough radio material to fill a nice half hour 45 yep. minutes where the crowd is going to know every single song yep right um I, I think that would be awesome um guys uh, like i said the love Mark, 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 has... mark's mark's got to eat so um there was no real topic this week so I, you know, homework. Tommy actually came up with a great topic. We just didn't use it. Yeah. We'll save that for another, uh, yeah. <laughs> the guest another time a guest yeah. bails on us. Um, so guess what? Summer vacation. You guys got no homework this week. How's that? Yay. Um, so if you're, if you uh, are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, follow us, please on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, check us out on Twitch everywhere we are. Where? In bedrock, twitch, twitch. Um, that's it. You know, I know we don't have a guest at least next week, unless one of these that we're trying to move around gets confirmed. It's the sum. It's the dog days of summer, people. I mean, this is what mm -hmm. it is. Um, maybe you know what? Maybe if we don't have a guest next week, let's listen to and review the soundboard recording. Few people have been asking for that. Okay, that's easy enough to do. All we got to do is listen to some music. Yeah, turn oh, it hold in. on. You want new new music? Get the new Buck Cherry. It's fucking awesome. Sorry. Or yes. or you know what? We can we can we can review Soundboard, and then each of us can do a mini review of something new we're listening to that we love. Okay. We'll turn that this works. into a giant love fest. Right, right, Izzy. We're nothing but a love fest. That's what he's mm -hmm. um, So, yeah, that's it, everybody. Three sides of the coin. Fairly short episode this week. We'll see you next week. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.